Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello, Cove Church. So great to be with you today as we begin our Christmas series, which we have titled Come Home. Uh, Speaking of coming home, uh, when I was a kid, I, I, I suppose you could say I grew up as a latchkey kid. I think that is the term that's used for a kid who doesn't, when you get home from school, you don't go to your house because your parents are both working. You go to another house and they watch you until uh, your parents later come home to get you. And so that was pretty much the most of my upbringing was based around that. And it wasn't awful. It, it wasn't great. It was fine. I, I certainly, I would have rather have been in my own room when I got home and I, I would have rather have eaten my own food and I would, you know, have rather only worrying about one bully being my brother instead of multiple. Um, but I got through as many of us did because you have no choice. But more than that, I think I got through because of something more. See, every day I would work through mean kids not sharing their toys and the strange smells and customs of a different environment and the natural awkwardness of not being in my house. And I'd get through because of a promise. I knew that when the light got real low and when Flintstones was in its closing credits, I knew that almost magically my mom would appear at the door. You know how um, smells can trigger memories? I can still think of the smells. You know, it is big red gum, is perfume, which I've recently found out was, was called treasure. And, uh, and those two smells that, that they would blend together, and that was the smell of my mom at the door. And, and during the winter, my mom would wear a, a rabbit fur coat, <laughs> if you can imagine. I know that sounds bad. I choose to believe that those rabbits gave their fur up, you know, voluntarily, and now they live somewhere on a tropical island like a whole bunch of little naked bunnies running around. I choose to believe that's what happened to those bunnies, that they're just fine. Um, But no matter how you feel about a rabbit fur coat, I can only tell you that a hug from your mom in a wintry doorway while she is wearing treasure perfume and chewing big red gum Well, that was the best part of my day, every day. And yes, it was was great because I got to go home and I, I got to play in my room and I got to have dinner, but it was more than that. It was more than that because I lived for a promise. And every day, that promise was fulfilled. I cannot remember a day that it wasn't. In this first week of Advent, we remember that Christmas involves a promise that was kept to us and a promise that will be kept to us. It is the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, that for us in the midst of such a broken world, stuck between the already finished and the not yet complete, where we are all tempted at times to stop hoping and to stop believing, we can look at Christmas, and we can be reminded that God keeps his promises. And that is the promise of Emmanuel, that God would be with us, that Jesus would leave his perfect home in heaven 
and join us in our broken home on earth. As he said in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And that purpose, that will, was ultimately made clear as Jesus left perfection to embrace imperfection, as Jesus left wholeness to heal brokenness, as Jesus left perfect peace to end our war. And in doing so, Jesus fulfilled literally hundreds of promises made throughout the Old Testament, promises that God would be with us. And that promise includes you today, that God wants to be with you. So today we're going to look at just one of those many promises, a promise made some 700 years before Christ walked the earth, reminding us again that God is absolutely faithful to keep his promises, and that truth can give us great hope. Because regardless of the promises that have been broken in your life, Jesus never breaks his. We can then build our life on God's promises. And the first promise that I would like to point to today is this, that God promises life out of death. God promises life out of death. Isaiah 11 is where we're going to be. It's the passage. Verse 1 and 2 is where we start. Let's read it together right where you are. Big voices go. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding. I love where this promise starts from a stump. <laughs> Not usually what we think of as a great incubator of life, as a, a great launch pad for hope. No, when I see a stump, I clearly see what looks to be the end of a tree. Now, you can certainly plant a new one, but that stump reminds me that tree's done. And that's exactly what, what this is referring to. The stump of Jesse was the, the family line of King David, and it was all but devastated. The glory of that kingdom was long gone. The people were scattered. They were conquered. Yet it says out of that will come a shoot, a branch that will bear fruit. What looked like an end will be a new beginning. And that sounds really good to me, that, that the places that we feel are, are so desperate and so hopeless they don't have to be with Jesus. That's the promise that's fulfilled at Christmas because it's the promise fulfilled in Christ. That out of death, life. Out of hopelessness, hope. That's God's promise to us. That's God's promise to you. It's the promise of the stump of Jesse. I think it's funny how people will talk about Christmas trees and where that tradition comes from and does it have pagan origins and should it be a part of Christmas at all? And I love Christmas trees, by the way. It's not a pagan symbol to us. It's just another beautiful symbol of Christmas. But if you want to look in the Bible for the first Christmas tree, here it is. <laughs> it's a stump. I mean, talk about your Charlie Brown tree, right? This is a stump. We don't think of stumps as Christmas trees. In fact, I can remember camping with the boys when they were little. 
And, uh, and what I did is I found a stump that was a little ways away from camp, not too far so they would wander off, but far enough that they could use it for its intended purpose. Because I said, boys, this is the potty stump. When you got to go potty, you stand on this stump and that's where you go potty. So it was far enough away from the tent that it wasn't bothersome. So it worked so great. The potty stump was perfect. They go to the potty stump. That's what they used the whole time we went camping. It was a perfect solution. I loved it. However, it worked perfect until they had to come back to school when we got done from camping. And the place they went to school also had a stump. That required a bit of correction. <laughs> Actually, you can't use the potty stump at school. When you see a stump at school, you can't use that one. You gotta use the bathroom. Uh, you don't wanna use the potty stump at school. We had to help them know that potty stumps are only when you're camping. We had to clarify that for them. See, when we think about Christmas, we never think, hey, everyone gather around the Christmas stump. You know, oh Christmas stump, oh Christmas stump, how lovely are your saw marks. No, we don't say that. But when you get down to it, this is the first Christmas tree. It's a stump. It's a stump with a branch that bears fruit. It's something that looks like an end, but it's actually a beginning. And it's a reminder to us of this critical truth that God can bring everything from nothing. That God can bring a branch from a stump and that branch can bear fruit. Life from death, hope from despair. And it's good news if you feel like a stump today <laughs> or if maybe there's some stumpy places in your life. You guess what, from those places, God can still bring fruit. Those places where you're weak, those places where you've failed, those places where you're unsure, those places where you are scared, those places where you figure it must be over, those are the stumps that God can bring life from because that's who God is. In fact, that was always God's plan as this passage concludes with the reminder of who Jesus is, the one who brings wisdom and understanding, this first piece of wisdom, this first truth we must understand is that God brings hope in the places that we're hopeless and that God provides where we feel empty. That's what Jesus invites us to in him, that in Christ, life, comes out of death. And even when it doesn't make sense today, even when you don't see it in Christ, one day it will, and Jesus will balance the scales. And what is so wrong in this world will one day be made right. That is a promise we can keep because God promises life out of death. It's the first thing, here's the second. God promises clarity out of confusion. It's Isaiah 11, verse 2, second part of it. Let's read it together. Big voices go. The spirit of counsel and of might. This tells us that God wants to advise and act. Uh, the, the word for advise there almost has this idea of God strategizing with us. Um, scheming with us, if you would. Developing a plan with us. It, it's, it's like um, maybe for some of you, you played football as a kid in your street, you know, in, in your neighborhood. 
and, and the best times were when you'd have a good quarterback and they would, haul, they would call a huddle. And that quarterback would say, team, I've got, I've got a great plan for this next, next play. Uh, they'd say, Jimmy, you're going to run a button hook uh, around the Johnson's house and you're going to go by their, their pinto that's up on blocks. You're going to hide behind and then jump up on the hood and I'll fake it to you. And then they say, Susie, you go to your house. I want you to run into your house and I want you to get your Doberman out. And I want you to stick your Doberman on the people who are trying to cover you. And once they do that, then, then I'll, I'll throw the pass to you. And then say, Aaron, I, I want you to go long. And I mean like really long. I want you to get on your bike and I want you to go to Dairy Mart and I want you to get us a slushy because that's how they used me. I was kind of a special teams guy in that way. That was the best role for me. And so it was, we would all be excited. We were like, this is a great plan. This is going to be amazing. Yes, it's going to work. And we'd say break. And, and, but where it would break down was always in the execution, right? Because Jimmy would, would fall off the hood of the Pinto and Susie's Doberman would, would, would just lie down on the porch and I wouldn't have any money for a, a slushy. But here's what's so amazing about God's plan. It's not like that. God's plan is not only perfectly devised, it's always perfectly executed. It's God's counsel and God's might, meaning God's plan is paired with God's power. Good strategy and good execution. It's clarity on both fronts. And yet for me, I know how easily confusion wants to settle into the plans that I walk in in my life. I'll give you a silly example of how confusion settles in. Um, sometimes you'll hear on the radio that, that the police are, have an APB out for a suspect, you know, someone, and, and they'll give a description of the suspect. They'll say, you know, he's a, he's a male, he's, you know, six feet tall, um, dark hair, green hoodie, you know, that kind of thing. So my first thought when I hear that is, okay, there's a suspect out, okay, I should probably keep an eye out for that guy. But immediately after that, where my mind goes is, I wonder how they'd describe me if I was a suspect. <laughs> what are they going to say about me, right? Because I know how I'd want them to describe me if I was a suspect. You know, if there was an APB out for me, I want it to be like, you know, oh, he's nearly six feet tall, super athletic build, really well-trimmed beard, and eyes like the sea after a storm. That's what I'd love them to describe me as. But I hope it's not the other descriptor they could use, which is, you know, average height, scrawny build with a bit of a gut, scraggly beard, beady-eyed little freak. I hope they wouldn't use that one, but this is where my mind goes. And all the while, I'm skipping past the part where if there's an APB out for me, it means I'm wanted by the police. That's bad. It's a bit of confusion. I can miss it easily in that way. Yet here is the amazing thing we know about God. There is never any confusion in God. For example, there is never a difference between what God says and what God does. It's always absolute clarity. In Genesis, when God spoke, let there be light, it was. When God said, let the, the seas separate from land, it did. No difference ever between what God says and what God does, which should matter a lot to us when it comes to the things that Jesus says and the promises that Jesus makes. It's so clear. Jesus says things like this. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. 
Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Jesus says, I am the one who is and was and is to come. That's just a snapshot of the kinds of things that Jesus says to us, the promises he makes that are absolutely clear. The question is, will we believe him? See, Christmas is like a deposit where God not only reveals his incredible promise to us, but God also reveals his miraculous ability to fulfill those promises. Jesus does not just make great promises. Jesus keeps great promises. And to everyone listening today, watching today, every one of you who have had promises broken, even by well-meaning people, people who loved you, you know, and they wanted to do what they said, but somehow their weakness got in the way. Maybe it was that addiction or their selfishness or their distraction or their own wounding. All those things in life that caused our hope to be diminished and our hearts to be confused until we eventually just, just decide, well, I'll just trust myself then. Can't trust people, I'll just trust myself. But then what happens? We let ourselves down. Once again, very confusing. I can't even, I can't even trust myself. So what do we do then? Well, I see one option. We look to the one who has fulfilled every promise, every promise of a coming Savior, and who invites us then to believe in the promise of a coming King. This is God's clarity for our lives. See, this season known as Advent was not originally just about how Christ fulfilled his promise at Christmas. No, it was really about the promise that we still await. The return of Christ, a reunion for all who know him. The word Advent literally means arrival. And yes, Christ arrived to die for us 2,000 years ago, but he will also arrive again. To come back as the king who sets all things right. And he invites each of us to know him now, so that when Jesus comes back, his face will not be that of an awkward stranger. No, his face will be that of a trusted friend. That's what Jesus wants for each of us, that his return won't be a shock. It will be a celebration. Because we know in our lives that Jesus has already shown us his power, already spoken his words, already brought his truth to us, that that is crystal clear. This is what we need so desperately because God promises clarity out of confusion. That's the second thing, here's the last thing. God promises closeness out of distance. Let's finish the passage, Isaiah 11, verse 2, the last part of it. Big voices go, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. This is showing us what it looks like to be fully known and fully loved by God. 
fully known and fully loved by the God of the universe. The knowledge and fear of the Lord. Now, at times, I'm not sure we like that term, the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, especially because we know that Jesus invites us to this perfect love that actually casts out fear. So what, what place does, does that belong, this idea of the fear of God? Where does that fit for us? Maybe this would help. We must remember that we are talking about the one, when we speak of God, we're talking about the one who spoke and solar systems came into existence. We're talking about the one who knows every thought before you think it, who is present everywhere, and who is limited by nothing. That is not someone to be taken lightly. It's like when I see images of Niagara Falls. I am both in awe of its beauty, but I'm terrified by its power. The knowledge and fear of God is like that. That we must know enough of God's holiness to be terrified by his presence, but also know enough of God's grace to be welcomed by his love. That both are true with God. And, and Jesus makes a relationship with that God possible. Closeness out of distance. That is the gift we celebrate at Christmas. That God would become a man and give his life so that man could know God and overcome death. That Emmanuel would not only walk with us 2,000 years ago, but that Emmanuel would walk with us today, that Emmanuel would walk with you today, would you let him? That's why Jesus left his home to come to ours. He left perfect heaven to join us in this hell on earth. It was to bring us close instead of leaving us to languish far away. It's the promise of his presence. And he wants so much to be present with you. And he can. Would you invite him in? Because God promises closeness instead of distance. I'll wrap up with this. I, I, I think among the beauty and the, the, the wonderful things of this season, there are some pitfalls that we can be watchful of, especially when it comes to promises that are out there. Uh, everywhere we look, we, we see ads, we see TV posts, we see social media expressions that, that someone's getting that present. You know, someone's getting that Lexus with the bow, the big bow on it. I don't know where they get those big bows, but they're big. And or someone's going to Jared's, you know, or, or someone is being reunited with a loved one who has been far away for so long and they sneak into their home, break into their house, basically to, to brew a cup of Folgers coffee before everyone is up. That's happening somewhere. These are the promises, right? And amidst so many promises of over-the-top presence and hyper-emotional reunions, we can start to believe those must be the promises of Christmas. They're not. They're nice, sure. And if that happens, great. But those aren't the promises of Christmas. 
especially this year, because we know a bunch of that stuff is trapped on a barge off of San Francisco right now. <laughs> it's just another reminder that there are no guarantees on promises like that. No, we lean on much greater promises. The promise that God brings life out of death, the promise that God brings clarity out of confusion, and the promise that God brings closeness out of our distance. No matter what you, your life looks like, no matter what you look like, God can still bring his life to you. No matter how confusing that problem you're facing is, God can still bring his clarity to you. And no matter what distance you feel between you and God, God is working to close that gap. Would you take a step closer to him? The question for all of us is this. Will we put all of our hope in Jesus? Will we make our home with the one who left his home for us? Jesus not only made that promise, he fulfilled it. So trust him to fulfill his promises to you today. And with that, I want to take a moment today, and I don't always do this in our online community, but I just want to pray for you. If you're in right where you are, and if you're saying, I, I want to put my hope in Jesus today, I want, to, I want to take him up on his promise, can I just offer a quick prayer with you in this moment? Let's pray together. Jesus, I, we thank you for loving us, and we thank you for your promises, so many that you fulfilled, and because you've fulfilled so many promises, we realize you will fulfill your promise to us. And so would you help us in the midst of our own hurts and our wounds to, to let go of all that and to just accept the gift that is you today. We ask that you would come into our lives, that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would heal us and, and set us on a road that lets us walk closer to you every day, that you would help us to choose you every day we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so we could live for you every day. You gave your life for us. Today, Jesus, we give our lives to you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God who keeps your promises. We trust you today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.